Welcome to the Retirement Risk Show, the best retirement interviews and advice with Dave Hall. Learn strategies to help you reduce and even eliminate the risks facing your retirement. Hello and welcome to the podcast. My name is Dave Hall and I will be your host. I'm going to take a little different direction in the way we handle the podcast today. I try once a month to just give you some of my thoughts to be able to take some time and share the things that are on my mind, things that I believe that will help you from a financial standpoint. And then the other weeks we bring other guests on, I interview them, we get their insights as it relates to retirement and the risks that are facing us during retirement. Today, what I wanted to talk about was financial self-reliance. Now, this is something that people often don't think about. I know that I have taught tens of thousands of people at this point. What I have found is oftentimes people are not so focused on themselves as they're focused on what's going on around them. Right now, we've got great uncertainty in the markets. We've got everything that's going on in Ukraine because of what Russia's done. We've got super high inflation. We've got oil prices that seem to be off the charts. All of this is leading to a lot of worry and a lot of concern for many Americans. They're not quite sure what the future holds for them. And as we look at all these things, what it seems to be now is not if things are going to collapse or if things are going to change financially in the future, it's when's that going to happen. Well, I'm here to tell you that if you will take some steps yourself, you can get yourself in a much better position to deal with this, that you can put a plan together, that you can start putting money aside, that you can cut your spending, those type of things, to get you where you need to be to be able to get through this period of time. And I use my time in Puerto Rico as a good example of this. Now, my wife and five of my children and myself, we ended up moving to Puerto Rico in December of 2015. My other son was in Korea at the time, so he did not go with us, but uh, seven of us, two dogs, 14 suitcases, seven carry-ons, we all headed to the island. We had everything we needed to basically get started there, but obviously did not have everything we needed to live there. You can't fit all that and that number of suitcases when you've got that large of a family. So once we got to the island, we'd already rented the place we were going to stay in. We went from the airport, we stayed there that night, and then the next morning I had a taxi cab take me to the local car dealership. And I ended up having to buy a car on the spot, didn't get the best deal. They knew I was coming in a cab and that I had to leave with a minivan that I could fit my family in. So I didn't get the best deal, but this is the way it worked. I got the van, we ended up buying another van a little bit later on. I was able to get a much better deal, but that started the process of buying things that we needed there on the island. We ended up buying a home there. We furnished it with furniture. By the time I ended up leaving Puerto Rico, I had a semi full of stuff, not just the the small number of suitcases that we got to the island with. Well, in 2017, there was a hurricane, Hurricane Maria. Most of you are probably familiar with this. Hurricane Irma came through there a week or so before it had hit El Yunque, which is the rainforest, actually one of my favorite places on the whole island. It ended up hitting the rainforest, bounced off, and did not do really any damage to Puerto Rico. And this happens many, many times. The rainforest has done a good job of protecting the island. Well, then here comes Hurricane Maria barreling through, uh, ends up hitting the island, Category 5 hurricane, and it ended up creating billions and billions of dollars of damage. Well, for many of my my fellow uh, people that lived there on the island with me, it was very devastating, and I get it. We ended up being without water for about three weeks. We were without power for about 50 days. It was a very trying time, something that I hope I never have to go through again. 
But as I think of this experience and what my family and I really went through, I can't help but be grateful for the training that I'd received throughout my life of the importance of preparing for these type of events. It's something that my parents had talked to me about for decades. It's something my church had very strong feelings about and what we should do to prepare for uncertainty in our lifetime. And so luckily, we had done a number of things to help prepare us for this event. Number one, We'd bought a home that was all made out of concrete, so we wouldn't have any issues of it blowing away. Prior to the hurricane, we'd taken everything from the outside that could blow away, made sure we moved it inside of the house. We had some awnings and things that we ended up rolling up to ensure there wasn't going to be any problems. But that preparation really started far before we ever heard the hurricane was coming to the island. We'd been working since we got there in 2015 to save up extra water. So if something like this were to happen, we would be able to have the water we need. We'd been working to save up extra food, a lot of extra food that we'd put aside, uh, save for this type of experience. And then we'd also started putting away a lot of cash. We had a lot of cash just laying around our house in various places so that if something were to happen and we weren't able to get money out of the various ATM accounts or anything else, we would have money to spend. Because of this preparation, the experience for us was much different. We stayed there during the hurricane. The only issue we had to our home is our dryer vent, where that comes out of the house. They had designed it incorrectly. They had actually put the vent inside of an area that pooled with water. You had flat roofs. Uh, One roof would drain down to the other, drain down to over our porch, uh, and then it was supposed to drain to the ground. Well, they had put the dryer vent inside of there, and because it got backed up, all that water came in through the dryer vent hole, and then what ended up happening is it started flooding our house. Luckily, we were there. We did have a tile floor, so it didn't do any damage. We just directed it into the bathtub area or the shower area and sent it uh, right back out. So we didn't really have any issues as we looked at it. But as we looked at the experience itself, once we got through there and all of a sudden realized we had no water, we had no power, then everything fell back on the resources we already had. Now, there were times we did end up having to wait in line to get some of this stuff, but the experience for us was much different. There wasn't a sense of panic because our house was intact, cars were intact, we had the extra money that we needed That because we couldn't get into bank lines, or if you did, you're going to wait three or four hours. We didn't have to worry about that. We could go to the grocery store when the time happened. Yes, we may wait there for an hour or so, but we were able to get, get those items. We had the water we needed. We had a swimming pool. We were able to use some of that to to do our showers and do different things with. Obviously, we couldn't drink it, but we then had the food. Well, because of this experience, what it did is not only allowed us to take care of ourselves, again, seven of us in the house, uh, but what it also allowed us to do is to help other people. I spend a lot of my time going out and taking care of other people's yards, cleaning things up, making sure that they could get things back to where they needed them to be. We ended up bringing a family in to live with us. They had come from Tortola. Their family had been impacted by Hurricane Irma. They had been medvaced over to Puerto Rico. The daughter had been put in the hospital, one of them, and the mom and another daughter and son ended up coming to Puerto Rico and ended up living with us for a period of time. Well, if we had not had these preparations in place, if we had not done the things that we could do to prepare for this experience, it would have been completely different. Not only would we not been able to help this family who's become very good friends of ours, but we wouldn't have even been able to take care of ourselves. We wouldn't have been able to take care of the things that we needed. We would have been in a panic mode. I would have spent way more time standing in lines trying to get the goods and services that we needed rather than spending my time out helping other people. 
Now, all this being said, don't think that it was a good experience. It's something I hope I never live through again. It definitely was a challenge because there were times with gas or food or other things, water that we, we end up having to refill that we did end up going and standing in lines for anywhere two, three, maybe four hours. Maybe four hours to get $20 of gasoline. Definitely a big change from the world that we typically live in. Well, I tell you this story because as we look to our retirement, it's not going to be three weeks. It's not going to be 50 days without power. What we're looking at is years and maybe even decades that we've got to prepare for and make sure we have everything in place so we can get safely through retirement. And there are some things that I believe we can each do to do this for ourselves. Again, this isn't uh, to make sure that the world is not going to fall apart around us. It doesn't ensure that we're not going to have hyperinflation. It doesn't ensure that we're not going to have higher taxes in the future. It doesn't ensure that you're not going to have a long-term care event. But if we put things in place, what we found is that when these things happen, we can be much better prepared, that we can solve the issues, we don't have to worry, and then we can get moving forward with our lives as we go through retirement. One of the first things that, that I need to encourage all of you to do, that is to get a plan together. Just as my family and I had a plan for what we were doing in Puerto Rico, we, we had a generator, we had some fuel storage, we had food, we had water, we had money, we had these things that we had already mapped out that we were going to need, we ended up being in a much better position. Well, if you'll put a plan together for your retirement, and my recommendation is that you put a risk-based retirement plan together. This is where you're going to focus more on the risks that you're going to face during retirement, not just all the good things that should happen, that, that you get a, a good solid rate of return, that inflation stays average, that you end up pulling X dollars out, and that covers all of your living costs. My goal is to help you get safely through there. And the way we do this, I've actually contracted with a number of advisors that understand what I teach, and we allow them to help you put these plans together. You have the opportunity to sit down with any of these people, no fee. They're going to go through, answer your questions, and then talk about what a plan would look like for you. What would it take to get you in a position so if you have disruption in your retirement, hopefully you don't have to worry and hopefully you can overcome it and hopefully you can be in a position that once you get to the end, it's not been too traumatic, that you're not sitting there wishing that maybe you had passed away in the hurricane because it would have been much easier for you, that you wouldn't have to deal with all the aftermath, all the effects, go through retirement, not wish for an early uh, death in retirement because you want to be able to be there for the kids, the grandkids. You're enjoying the experience. You want to be able to spend that time progressing your own life, learning new things, enjoying your hobbies, doing all these things that end up happening. So number one, we really need you to, and I really want you to put a plan together. And that's going to be a risk-based retirement plan. Again, something that many of you are going to be challenged to do yourself because these plans are created with very expensive software or they're going to look at what the next 30 or 40 years looks like for you. They're going to look at where the chess piece is set currently and then start moving them around to figure out what the best strategy is for you. How can you end up winning this game? How can you get safely through retirement? Another thing that I encourage all of you to do as you're going into retirement, you've got to start getting out of debt. Unfortunately, I see far too many people getting into retirement with debt that they shouldn't have. Maybe it's a home mortgage debt. We see many people still with home mortgages as they get into their 60s and 70s. But I'm seeing even more people going into retirement now than I've ever seen before that have student loan debt. 
Now, some of it uh, may be their own. Maybe they went back to school later, but oftentimes it's kids or grandkids student loan debt. This is not what we should be doing. We've got to put that burden back on our kids. I look at my situation. I was raised in a very poor family. We did not uh, have any money. My parents couldn't do anything for me to get to college, so I had to figure it out myself. I was able to get some scholarships, but I had to go into debt. That is what I needed to do to be able to get the education I needed. As a result of this experience, I'm a much better person. Had my family give me everything that I needed, I don't think I'd be the person that I am today. And sometimes we need to understand the best gift we can give our kids isn't what we have, it's what we've learned through the process. It's the same experiences that we went through that made us who we are today. So something we, we definitely need to look at, if you've got large debt amounts out there, try to start getting those things paid down. Get a plan together so as you get into retirement, you're not being burdened by this. Because what you're going to find is if you go into retirement with a bunch of debt, you're going to spend substantially more money during the initial years than you'd probably planned on, but that's going to create a major issue on the back end. If you end up living to life expectancy or beyond, you may be in a situation where the only retirement income you have left is Social Security. And unfortunately, Social Security is intended to only cover about 40% of your living costs in retirement. So this is definitely not something you want to get into because if that happens, your retirement's going to look much different than you expected it to. It's going to be uh, at a far lower level than what you were living during the early years of your retirement. The other thing we've got to do is start saving better. We're in a world where instant gratification seems to be the thing to do, that companies are out there trying to sell us all the time, that we've got to spend, spend, spend. Well, you need to save, save, save. The reality of it is that in the 1970s, retirement planning changed. It went from an employer-funded retirement with pension plans, where over 50% of America had pension plans, to an employee-funded retirement. This is where the, the 401k came about in 78, the IRA came about in 74, and everything started to change. Employers stopped offering pension plans. We've now only got about 13 percent of America who has these plans. Most of them are through government agencies, whether it be city, state, or federal government agencies. But everything started to change. Well, as a result of this, unfortunately, America is not kept up. The government tells us we should have about $375,000 per person saved when we get into retirement. I work primarily with CPAs. They're above average income earners. They really need to have far more than this. But what we're finding is over 50% of Americans don't even have this much. In fact, 50% of America really has less than $10,000 set aside if they have anything. Created a major issue for our future retirement planning. And it's creating a situation where many people are going into retirement broke and they're living way beyond the lifestyle that they were hoping to. We've got to make it a priority. We've got to start setting money aside, whether if you have employer-based plans, if you have IRAs, my recommendation for most of you is to start getting money into your Roth accounts. Now, if you've not saved anything up to this point, you're, you're in your late 40s, early 50s, maybe for you, the right recommendation is going to be to just put that money in tax deferred to allow you to get the benefit of not paying the taxes down. And then hopefully when you pull the money out, depending on how much money you have, maybe those standard deductions will be such that you won't end up paying tax there either. But we've got to make a goal. We've got to make a commitment. You've got to start putting more money aside. Now, how much do you set aside? Really going to be based upon your plan. This is why the plan is so important. It's going to give us a roadmap and tell us what to do. I mean, if you can imagine playing a game of chess and having all the instructions laid out there for each move you should make to be able to win that game, that's what our plan is designed 
going to do to allow you to know what you need to do to get to the retirement you're looking for. And that's going to be different too. Understand that some of you are going to want to spend a lot of money during retirement. You're going to want to travel. Maybe you want to, to buy expensive things. That's okay if you've got the funds. Others of you want to move out in the country, maybe outside of where I live here, and live off the land. Do what my parents did, where we really had, uh, ours wasn't by choice, it was really more out of necessity, where we had our own food. We raised our own crops, we raised our own animals, my mom made most of our own clothes, all of these things that uh, made our life to where it was not that expensive. But you've got to figure that out so you can figure out what you need to save to be able to do that. Another one is to live below your means. One of the interesting statistics I've seen here of late are the financial situations inside of my own community. Now, I live in a very wealthy community. FedEx Worldwide Headquarters is here in the town that I live in. A lot of their executives live around me. A lot of their pilots live around me. All in all, it's a very wealthy neighborhood. Well, you can imagine how odd I found it the other day when I called a local credit union to set up an account, and I was explaining that the need for this account it had to do with uh, some issues that we we're having with uh, one of our daughters and some money that need to get into that account for her. The guy on the other end of the line, who was someone that had become a friend of mine, was continuing to remind me that in order to avoid any fees that would be associated with this account, that I would need to have $200 in the account at all times. Well, I thought that was very strange for a neighborhood where many of the homes are over half a million dollars. Most people, I've got to assume, are making at least uh, six figures and maybe some of them seven figures a year. I thought it was odd that he repeated that three times to me that I need to have at least $200 in this account. Well, I've got accounts out there from other banks where I may have to have five, ten, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 in the account to avoid any of those fees. Well, as odd as I thought it was, later on I was listening to another podcast that was talking about our community and the people on there understand the economics of what's going on here and they brought forth some statistics saying even this community that I live in that primarily is, is made of money, you know, from a general standpoint, definitely above the average income earners, over 70% of these people were living paycheck to paycheck. And in fact, that 70% of them, if they had a bill that they had to pay $1,000 for, they would not be able to pay it. That was shocking to me and very, very surprising. And here I sat in a neighborhood thinking people uh, manage their money. They've done a good job uh, to manage their spending. They're setting money in their 401ks, their IRAs. They're buying life insurance. They're doing all the things that I talk about in these uh, presentations that I do, whether a podcast or a webinar. And what I find is that's not happening at all. The, the, these people are, are living up to their, their means. They're buying a home at a level that's allowing them to get by. The, the mortgage company is saying, look, based upon your financial situation, this is what you can afford. And then they buy that house or maybe buy one that's even a little bit more expensive than that. I saw it in Las Vegas when I lived there. One of the, the areas I moved into was, was what I thought a very nice neighborhood. Some of the homes in that area were 6,000 square feet. They're good. I'm moving into a nice neighborhood. I'm going to have nice neighbors. Well, unfortunately, what we had is many people coming out of California that had never had to pay for the effects of a summer in Las Vegas, the heat that comes out of there. They were coming out of Southern California. Summer hits, it's not that hot. They don't have to pay for air conditioning. They end up getting into Las Vegas. All of a sudden, the power bill goes to over $1,000 a month, and they couldn't pay for it. 
All of a sudden, this neighborhood that had five, 6,000 square foot homes looked like the ghetto. People couldn't take care of their yards. They were driving cars that uh, barely ran because they had not managed their money appropriately. They'd taken the assets that they got, the income out of a, maybe a 1,000 square foot home in California, and thought that if they bought a 6,000 square foot home in Nevada, the cost would stay similar. And that was not what happened at all. Saw the effects of it uh, over two or three year period of time where that neighborhood continued to fall down. This is happening across the country, folks. There is a lot to be said about staying within a budget and living below your means. I, I've had my house paid off for, for years now. It's something that I encourage my clients to do now. Those that leverage their assets would say that's not a smart thing to do. But guess what? As I've talked to my clients and I work with thousands of people, the handful of us that have our homes paid off are the happiest. When we look across the board, the, the, the worry's not there. We know our houses are covered. We've lived within our means. We've got freedom to invest, do other things when we want to do them. We can travel. We can do all the things that others just don't seem to have the freedom to do because they don't have enough money left at the end of the month. They get to the end of the month, the money's gone, and they still got month left over. So something we've definitely got to take into consideration. If we can look at this and adjust it, get ourselves in a much better position. And the last one I want to talk about is taking care of your health. Now, many of you may have pre-existing conditions as I do. There may be things that you can't solve. I, I've had a kidney transplant. I have effects from that, obviously. Uh, some of the medications I take are having negative effects on my body that I don't necessarily like. I'm trying to offset those the best that I can in the way that I live and, and the way that I take care of myself. But we can do more many times to take care of our, our minds and our bodies. And as we do this, what we're going to find is retirement will be much better. Not only will we be in a position that we can think more clearly, make better decisions. But as we get into retirement, oftentimes medical costs can become a big drag. Medicare is not going to cover everything from a medical side once you get into retirement. So you're going to have some out-of-pocket costs. If you're not in good health, those costs could get very expensive. If you don't take care of your mind, end up in a, a long-term care facility, you may be spending $100,000 a year or more just to have other people take care of you. As we look at where we're currently at, I hope that you can take a closer look at what you're doing. Again, just because there's chaos around us, just because hurricanes are coming in and going out, and again, we've got uh, financial markets that look like they may collapse, it doesn't mean that you have to experience the same thing. We can have these things happening around us and still be calm. We can still be in a situation where we don't have to worry. Maybe we put principal protected products in, so as the market drops 40%, hey, we've still got our asset. These are the things that we can do, and it's my, my goal for you and my push and my expectation expectation for all of us that we'll do a better job of preparing ourselves. So then we can go help prepare others. This is part of what I, I try to teach and live. You know, why did I get into this industry? A lot of it came to my childhood and the way I was raised, but it also came to my adult period of time where I started looking around going, look, I'm already doing all of these things that others are not doing. They're working very well for my family and I. It took me from a period of poverty growing up to a period that my kids now have the opportunity to go to college and have dad assist with that, be able to go on nice trips, to be able to enjoy things that I was never able to enjoy, but it required me to be able to get myself to a point that I was able to do this, that I was able to, to make these commitments. So please do them for yourself. Do them for your retirement if you will. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. You're not going to regret putting forth that effort 
as these storms will come. Again, not if they will come, it's when they come. Want you to be ready. If you want to learn more about what you can do for your retirement, please go to my website, retirementriskadvisors.com. Here you'll be able to find not only the education, but also the resources you need to get safely through retirement. Thanks for listening to the Retirement Risk Show. Join us next week for more details on how you can better reduce the risks facing your retirement.